You are listening to the Purpose Church High School Ministry Podcast. Whether this is your first episode or you've heard them all, God has something to say to you. Our vision is to see every student everywhere following Jesus, and we hope this message helps you take your next step in your faith. To learn more about our high school ministry, visit our website, purposechurch.com HSM, and check us out on Instagram at purposehsm. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Tonight, our topic, our question is, who is God? Who is God? This is an incredibly big, large question. I'm definitely not going to perfectly answer this or summarize God uh, perfectly in 25 minutes. He is infinite. We have finite amount of time, but I'm going to do the best I can to set you guys up for really great conversations. But before we do that, I want to I give you an illustration. I want to give you a visual. Every single one of us came into this room with perspectives and thoughts about God. I'm so glad you're here. I really am so glad you're here. And maybe you came and you're like, man, those people are never going to convert me. You're right. We never will convert you. God might, but we won't convert you. But maybe you came to, and even if you came tonight and you said, man, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. That right there is a belief about God, a belief in his absence. Maybe you believe that God hates you. Maybe you believe that God is cruel. Maybe you believe that God is just kind of cool with whatever. The problem, the problem is when we try to define God on our own terms, we really just make God in our own image. You see, the danger is this. I'm going to have Pastor Claire start painting on Sarah's face. And, and before we do that, if you look at Sarah's face, I want you to picture Sarah's face in this metaphor, illustration, analogy. I never know what those are, so I just say all of them. Whatever this is. Sarah's face is like the perfect picture of God in this analogy right now. But what all of us have done is we have painted onto God beliefs that we hold about him. God is bad. Maybe you've brushed on his face a belief that if it feels good, God's totally cool with it. That as long as it feels good, God is all about it. Or maybe you've painted on God's face. God is really just whoever I want him to be. Or maybe some of you walked in this room and one of the beliefs you hold about God is that his love can only be earned. That you have to do X, Y, and Z to earn it. Maybe you believe that sin is only sin if everybody agrees. Or maybe... You've thought, as long as I go to church, me and God are cool. That God's like your 10th grade science teacher who's just just taking attendance. And as long as you're present, then you and him are good. You see, I gotta ask you a question. How do you define God? What beliefs about God did you walk into this room holding? And here's why it's important that we talk about that. Because whatever you think about God shapes and determines how you live and how you interact with him. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm nervous that for me and the rest of us here, that we've painted God in our own image instead of allowing him to shape us. And so really what I want to do today is I want to 
clean that up a little bit. Let's go ahead and start wiping up Sarah's face. I want you to, we're going to peel back some of the layers. We're going to clean off. Do we have the baby wipes? Maybe we don't have the baby wipes. No baby wipes. No baby wipes this time. All right, well, pretend we have some baby wipes. Imagine what we need to do in this series, what we need to do in this time today is to sort of clean up our picture and our view of God so that it matches his word. Can you guys give Sarah a round of applause? Sarah, you can go in the back. We have baby wipes down there somewhere for you. You see, God desires that you and I would actually know him. And last Wednesday, last Wednesday, we talked about the Bible. We talked about what the Bible is and why we can trust it. We built a case for why God's word is reliable, that it, that it reveals to us, that God's word reveals to us who God is. But students, when we try to make God into our image, we forget that we are actually made in his image. That every one of you here is made in the image of God. That means you have worth, you have value. It doesn't mean if everyone in your life has told you that your life is insignificant or meaningless, according to God's word, you have value. Jesus said in John chapter 5, verses 39 to 40, he said this, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. And so last week we talked about how God's word points us to Jesus, how God's word reveals him to us. The, the point is not that we just have a bunch of verses memorized. The point is that we actually encounter God. That we know God, this is crazy. God desires that every single one of you would have a personal relationship with him. And maybe that idea of having a personal relationship with God is so far from your mind. And it doesn't make any sense. <coughs> My hope is after tonight that you have a better understanding of what that is. John Mark Comer, he says this. For Jesus and all the writers of scripture... The starting point for all theology is the realization that we don't know what God is like, but we can learn. But to learn, we have to go to the source. And that's why every night in your life groups, we'll be going to the source, to God's word, to understand who God is. A.W. Tozer this brilliant theologian and thinker, this follower of Jesus, he said this. <coughs> Laura, could you give me some water? Is Laura there? Could you give me some water? Thank you, Laura. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. We tend, by the secret law of the soul, to move toward our mental image of God. And so I ask you again, what is your view? What is your picture of God. First thing I want to talk about when we think about defining who is God, it's your first fill in the blank, and it's this that God wants you to personally experience Him. You can you can fill that in, in your notes right there. It's the first blank that God wants you to personally experience Him. I want to read you this incredible story from the Old Testament. This was written 3,400 years ago, 3,400 years ago about Moses 
who was a follower of God. And listen, listen to these words and you will see along with me that God so desires that you and I would experience him. Listen to what it says in Exodus chapter 33 beginning in verse 7. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrance to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud, thank you, Laura. Guys, can you give it up for Laura? Thank you, Laura, keeping me alive. Ah, and we're back. Okay. As Moses went into the tent, verse 9, as Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshiped, each at the entrance to their tent. The Lord would speak. Oh, this is so good. Listen to this, you guys. Listen to this. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. So God would meet Moses in this tent, and he would speak to him face to face. In the literal translation of this verse, which the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, it literally means God would speak to Moses lips to lips. That God was directly speaking to Moses. Now this was a completely unique event in the Old Testament. That the rest of the Jews, the rest of the Israelites, they didn't have this kind of access to God. But friends, because of what Christ has done, because Christ came, died on the cross, and rose from the dead, the curtain was torn in that tent that divided humanity from God. And now every single one of us, you and I, we can have face-to-face conversations with God. And you know how God primarily speaks to us? Through his word. If you're wondering how God feels about you, it's right here. If maybe you're having a tough day and you're going, man, I don't feel so great. You need to have some face-to-face time. You need to have some FaceTime with God to allow him to fill you up. You guys, just this last week, last Friday, Jack was over at my house. Jack, can you wave hi to everybody? Say hi to everybody. Jack and his family were over at my house. We were all kind of hanging out. We were having some pizza. Jack and I started to play basketball. He thought I was too fat, couldn't play ball. He was wrong, y'all. He was wrong. I started balling him up. We were playing horse. I kicked his butt. We played knockout. I kicked it. We just, it was awesome. He left that night feeling like, I suck at basketball. I'm just kidding. He didn't really feel like that. He felt good. But maybe, maybe something has happened in your life recently. Maybe you're currently going through something right now. And you go, there is no way that God loves me. There is no way that I'm talented. I got rejected from this team. I didn't get the grade that I wanted. That God wants us to experience him personally means that he wants his word to impact our lives. So who is God? God is a speaking God. God is a personal God. God is the one who fills you and I with hope. 
In the year 2021, as we're still somewhat in this pandemic, trying to figure out what this new world looks like, you and I need hope. Maybe some of you are in a living situation right now where you need hope. Maybe some of you don't know what the next week or month is going to look like. You need hope. And that hope isn't going to come just from you thinking happy thoughts. Because you're going to question those. You're going to go, well, why do I think those things? Are they true? Are they not true? If your understanding of truth is relative, meaning Joaquin has his truth, I have my truth, Soleil has her truth, and uh, Sarah has her truth. If if truth is relative, we're screwed. (laughs) Because there's no way of discerning what is actually true. But friends, as God's people, his word is true. He wants to face-to-face tell us who he is and how much he loves us. Students, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are one of his kids. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you're created in his image, and he desires that you would understand that you're one of his kids, that you would become a part of his family so that he could speak to you face-to-face. Second thing that God wants you to understand about him, about who he is, is this. It's it's in your fill in the blank, the second one. God is one. God is one. Father, Son. Ethan, you saw what I did there, that little rap, right? God is one. Father, Son. All right, you guys didn't think that was cool. Cool. And Holy Spirit. In Matthew chapter 28. The last thing Jesus says in Matthew's gospel before he ascends into heaven, Jesus says this, all authority, all authority in heaven and on earth, everything you can see and everything you can't see, Jesus says, I have power over it. It has been given to me. Therefore, go. Therefore, go to your schools Therefore, go into your workplaces. Therefore, go into your sports teams. Therefore, go into your clubs. Therefore, go into your homes. Therefore, go and make disciples, followers of me. A disciple is just a follower of Jesus. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Here Jesus says, the triune one God, that is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They in some divine mystery are one, are a part of baptism. They're a part of life transformation. In fact, I want to show you a few slides real quick. I want you to see how Father, Son, and Holy Spirit show up in a few places. Let's talk about creation. In John 1, 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the very beginning of creation, Jesus was there. So Jesus didn't just all of a sudden pop up in the year, you know, uh, 4 or 7 B.C. No, Jesus was at creation. Deuteronomy 32, 6, is the Lord not your father, your creator, who made you and formed you? So God is not only son, God is father at creation. Then look at this, in the beginning, in Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. You'll find this all over the place in scripture. 
That the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are working together. That that together, and again, I I understand this sounds really crazy, that they are one. So we don't worship three gods, we worship one God. But there are these three expressions, persons of who God is. The the only way I I know like a a, a visual to to make sense of this is, let me show you a picture real quick. I'm going to throw up a, a picture. Okay, this was a picture from the first day of school. And by the way, you guys, I just started school. I have a huge paper due on Sunday. Anybody have a huge paper due this week? Just raise your hand. I feel for you. I feel for you. I got a big paper. I'm in school with you guys. It sucks. I get it. Anyway, this was our first day of school picture. Let me ask you a question. What's missing from this picture? Sarah, right? Sarah's missing from that picture. We may be smiling or whatever, but Sarah, and look at Levi. He's like blitzing, right? He's just ready to go. Sarah is missing from this picture. In order to understand the Holmstrom family, my family, Sarah's got to be in the picture. In the same way, in order for you to understand God, you need to see him as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's three things that, that I think God is trying to tell every single one of us that directly relate to the fact that he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the three things are this. That God values community. That Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were involved in the creation of the world. That God, sometimes, anyone ever thought like, maybe God was just lonely, that's why he created the world. Anybody ever thought that before? You see, God wasn't lonely. God was like perfectly content. God was absolutely fine. This is really important. God didn't create you because he was bored. God created you because he loved. You're not an accident. The triune God, the fact that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were in perfect relationship with each other means that God didn't just create you for some like social experiment or because he was bored or he didn't know what to do with himself. No, God was perfectly self-sufficient, living in community. God values relationships. God values partnerships. And because of that, he chose, God chose to love you and to bring you into the world. God is one, and he loves you. And you see, God knows everything that you're going through. Students, in a few weeks, I want to do just a quick commercial break. In a few weeks, we can throw it up on the screen. We're going to have our very first crisis night. In HSM, I've been the youth pastor here, been the high school pastor for eight years. This will be our fourth time doing crisis nights. Every other year we do these. And these are our biggest nights. And I would argue these are some of our most impactful nights. Because we are going to talk about the topics that are closest to your heart, that you and your friends are actually struggling with, and we want to show you that Jesus cares about them as well. Students, especially if you're new, oh, i got to tell you, if you're new, you need to understand this. The church is the safest place to ask any question. That you are in the safest place to ask any question about anything that you're wondering about. This is a safe place. And so in a few weeks, we are going to have a storyteller, someone who has experienced anxiety and depression, come on this stage and share her story, and it is going to be powerful. And then we're going to have a group up here that is going to be answering your questions. You'll be able to text in anonymous questions. And so students, let me just speak to your heart for a minute. If you are experiencing depression or anxiety, this night is for you. Do not miss it. And for your friends, and all of you have them, 
who are experiencing anxiety and depression, this night is for them. Do not miss this opportunity to invite your friends. In fact, you have cards on your table that talk about all the topics or cards on your chairs. Do not miss this opportunity because the the triune God who values relationships, who loves you and I, wants us to understand that even on these topics, he has something to say. And the third thing I think God wants us to know about himself is this, that God is powerful enough to save you. This is the third big idea, fill in the blank. God is powerful enough to save you. In Romans 1, 16 to 17, the apostle Paul, who didn't like Jesus, in fact, he hated Jesus, In fact, he hated Jesus so much that he hated Jesus' followers. In fact, he hated Jesus' followers so much that he spent his life trying to murder Christians, trying to persecute them. He would separate families, men, women, and children, and he would persecute them. And then he met Jesus. And it was like, oh, snap, right? He was like, oh, dang. And his life was changed. And then he writes this letter. And at this point, people want to murder Paul. People want to take him out. And he writes these words. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentiles. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Paul says, I'm not ashamed. I am willing to die. I have given up all comfort in my life. I am not ashamed of this gospel. You see, Paul went from being the most popular person in Judaism of his day to being the laughing stock of Judaism. He gave up all clout, all influence, all popularity. His Instagram followers plummeted, right? Like everybody was unfollowing, blocking him. Nobody wanted anything to do with Paul. He gave it all up. Talk about being humbled. And maybe some of you are going, man, I I don't really talk to my friends about Jesus or my sports team about Jesus or my clubs about Jesus. I don't bring it up because I'm scared, because I'm nervous. Friends, I understand that I've been there before. But I just want to draw your attention. Maybe it's because we're missing the power of God. Maybe it's because we don't understand that that just like Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because I've experienced the power of it. My life has been changed. Students, before I was a Christian, I was smoking a lot of weed. I was drinking. I was doing all kinds of things that I would be so ashamed for any of you to know about. I was doing everything that the world promised would give me life, and I felt dead inside. And some of you, because of what you did last week and because of what your life has looked like up to this point, you know exactly what I mean. That you felt dead inside. Or maybe it's just you're just constantly gossiping. You're just constantly judging other people. Your mind is full of sinful, evil thoughts. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because I've experienced the power of it. That it's changed his entire life. You see, students, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the the fact that Jesus died on a cross and rose from the dead, 
It has the power to save every single person, no matter what your life story has looked like, no matter what struggles you've carried. The gospel, the story of Jesus has the power to save you and I from our sin. You see, sin is anything, any act, any thought, any action, any word that is disobedient to God. Anytime we think anything that is against God, that is hurtful towards other people, anytime we're selfish or prideful or we lust, that all of those things, they're, they're sin against God because he created us to live fully alive in a perfect relationship with him. But we have walked away. We have backed off. And God says, instead of leaving you in your sin, I'm coming for you. Paul said later in Romans 1.20, he said, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Paul is saying the reality is this. The fact that you're taking a deep breath right now is evidence of God. The fact that the stars stay up in the sky is evidence of God. The fact that gravity keeps us grounded here on the earth is evidence of God. That his beauty displayed in all creation, the fact that we can love other people, that we're not just animals trying to survive, but that we have the ability for relationships and emotion, all of it is evidence of God. And Paul says, because of that, every one of you and me included are without excuse. That if we don't respond to God in faith, if we don't respond and give God our lives, then that's on us. That's not on God. Which is why he says later, if you declare with your mouth, Romans 10, 9, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. When Charlie, my oldest son, was real young, maybe two years old, I remember he had, a, he had a Bible, like a kid's Bible. And one day my wife and I were in the kitchen, Sarah and I were in the kitchen, and Charlie just was reading this Bible as a little two-year-old. It was like the cutest thing we could ever imagine. And it didn't matter that like the Bible was upside down. We're like, it's still cute, right? Like he can't read anyway, so it's all good. And he's sitting there and he was reading it. And we just thought to ourselves, we're like, oh, we're the perfect parents, right? Like our two-year-old's already reading God's word is amazing. And then all of a sudden, we hear this flip. And all of a sudden, and, and we run over and we go, Charlie, what did you do? You, you ripped the Bible. Like, that's pretty sinful, right? Like, you're a pastor's kid. You can't be ripping Bibles. We said, Charlie, you ripped the Bible. And he said, he said this, he said, Daddy, I didn't rip it. God ripped it. I said, that's the worst sin ever. You can't rip the Bible and then blame it on God? That's the fast track to AG double hockey sticks. I don't think so. So we talked to him. I said, Charlie, God didn't rip the Bible. You ripped the Bible. We began conversations with Charlie about taking responsibility for his actions. A few weeks later, he had this monster truck that he just absolutely loved. And one day, he was really angry for whatever reason. And he, he stepped on the truck and he smashed it. And then he started crying. 
And he said, I broke my truck. I broke my truck. I broke my truck. About a week later, him and I were driving in the car, and he was sitting in his car seat, and, and he looked at me, and he said, Daddy, I broke my truck. I broke my truck. And then all of a sudden, he paused, and he smiled. And he looked at me, and he said, maybe Daddy can fix it. He all of a sudden had this thought in his mind. Yeah, I broke my truck, but maybe dad can fix it. Friends, you and I, we've broken our lives. Our sin has broken our lives. That we are disconnected and distant from God. But dad can fix it. But dad fixed it. And he fixed it. By sending himself, by sending Jesus. Jesus died on a cross absorbing all of your sin so that you and I wouldn't have to die. And then he rose from the dead promising that you and I won't just die and be done, but that you and I will have eternal life, that we will forever be with Jesus. And that's why Paul's not ashamed of the gospel because it's changed his life. I wanna invite everyone in this room to close their eyes right now. It's no accident that every single one of you are here. So for some of you, you've heard this message a hundred times. You've heard the gospel. And I believe you needed to be reminded tonight. And if you're in a place where you're like, yeah, yeah, I've heard that story before, you've never heard it then. Because if this story has truly penetrated your heart, then it never gets old. The good news of Jesus, his salvation, it never gets old. But maybe... Maybe you came here tonight, a friend invited you, a parent dropped you off. You just heard about it and you came on over. And you have never begun a relationship with Jesus. You've never asked him to forgive your sins. That you didn't even know he existed, but now you do. Now you know that he existed. And as Roman 10, 9 says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That Jesus doesn't want you to do a bunch of things for him. He wants you to believe in him and then live your life following him. With every eye closed tonight, if you're in this room and you've never started following Jesus before, you've never received his forgiveness, I want to give you an opportunity to start following Jesus. And it begins with you admitting that you can't clean up your life. And that only Jesus can truly forgive you. And when you experience his forgiveness, you will feel a lightness. You will feel a freedom that no drug, that no social media account, that no buzz or high could ever give you. And so tonight, if you've never begun a relationship with Jesus and you want to start following Jesus, you want to receive his forgiveness, I want to invite you to raise your hand right now. As a way of saying, Jesus, I want to follow you. If you're in this room and you want to start a relationship with Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity. Go ahead and raise your hand in the air so I can pray for you. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for these students. God, I pray for any students tonight who are making a decision to follow you. Jesus, they would unpack that in their life groups, that they would talk about that more deeply. 
Jesus labeled not just say this prayer, not just receive your forgiveness, but to write this dash of forgiveness. 